Act, if you would, Psalm 56, I believe that we find some truths in Psalm 56 that will be a help to us. Uh, Tonight, as you come to Psalm 56, one of the, the dangers sometimes within our reading is when we read some of the accounts of the Psalms, we look at them and we see the psalmist and what they are going through. We read the Psalms and we look at what they're facing. We look at how they're overcoming these things. We look at the battles within. We look at the struggle. We look at the trial. We look at the, the emphasis on the Lord and, and, and their life and their testimony and praising them and, and all of those many things. And sometimes if we're not careful, we look and we focus on the psalmist, if you would. And in Psalm 56, we're reminded of something here because Psalm 56, though we read it and we begin to see much of what David is going through, the psalm is not about what David is going through or how David comes out on the other side or or how he makes it through. The entire psalm, David does a great job of reminding us here of who our Savior is. He does a great job of pointing all of the, the attention to the Lord and reminding us of some attributes of our God. He reminds us of some things that sometimes we neglect or we choose to forget or or very simply we're just oblivious to, if you would. And in, in the right in the midst of Psalm 56, we see a statement that will encourage every single one of us. You ever woke up and, and uh, maybe you woke up one day and you were going through what we would consider a difficult season. Maybe. Weeks or months, or maybe you're you're enduring something that's ongoing for over a year. And this one day, you just wake up and you you are throwing the world's biggest pity party. I mean, you're you're really struggling. You're 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 not wanting to do anything. You you think you're the only one that is going through anything. You know what I'm talking about. You've been there before. And sometimes if we're not careful, we come to those states of our our lives in that season of life and we say, man, no one else has it as hard as I have it. Now, we look at the life of David and we see that David went through some things. David had some battles. David had some mountaintop experiences. David was found in the valley. David, as you go and you look at his life, many times he reminds us of how faithful our God is. And right in the midst of Psalm 56, there's a statement that we see tonight that will remind every single one of us because there are times in our lives where we will think that everybody, the world, and everybody around us is against us. And we begin to shut people out. You begin to shut family out. You begin to shut friends out. You don't want to talk to anyone because you just don't feel like, and you feel like they don't understand. And not only do they not understand, they don't care. And then sometimes those Thoughts begin to creep in and we begin to think the same thing about our God. Notice what the Bible says in Psalm 56 verse 1. Be merciful unto me, O God, for man would swallow me up. He fighting daily oppresseth me. Mine enemies would daily swallow me up, for they be many that fight against me, O thou most high. Verse number two, just to give you a little insight for just a moment. Verse number two, as it makes a couple of statements, you have to understand the context of these statements. In this second verse, he uses the statement daily. This is not something uh, that is just occasionally taking place. And it's not just something that David, each day, there's a, a period of time. No, David wakes up and something is happening. David goes to bed and something is happening. It's constant. It is a daily battle within his life. 
The statement, swallow me up, speaks of to utterly destroy, if you would. So David is facing what we know to be a difficult season. As a matter of fact, this psalm, as you go and you read Psalm 34, you'll find that they correlate together. They give some insight into what David is battling, what season of life he is in. And there comes a time whenever David begins to act in a very harsh way. He changes his behavior, the Word of God tells us. And in doing so, you begin to see some things that David later on makes mention of within his life as he looks and he realizes that God is the one who brought him through all this. It was not a a battle that David had won. No, God won the battle. Verse number 3, the Bible tells us, What time I am afraid, I will trust in thee. In God I will praise his word. In God I have put my trust. I will not fear what the flesh can do unto me. Every day they rest. That statement, rest right there, speaks up to twist the words of David here. They're looking at David. They're hearing what he says. And they're trying to put words in his mouth. They're trying to twist his words around, if you would. All their thoughts are evil against me for evil. They gather themselves together, they hide themselves, they mark my steps when they wait for my soul. Shall they escape by iniquity and thine anger cast down the people, O God? Thou tellest my wanderings, put thou my tears into thy bottle, are they not in thy book? When I cry unto thee, then shall mine enemies turn back. Up to this point, we're looking at David's life, and he has made mention of the Lord and how he is going to reflect on some things. He has said, what time I am afraid, I will trust in thee. And God, I will praise his word. And God, I have put my trust. So he's made mention of a couple of encouraging things. Now, later on in this psalm, you're going to see in verses 8, 9, 10, and moving forward even to the end of the psalm, that David is going to change the way that he approaches this situation. But I believe we are given some insight into why David is able to find great victory in the midst of this trial right here. Notice this one statement. If you would recognize this one statement every single day of your life and you would walk through this life, you're understanding that there are going to be trials in the Christian life. There are going to be troubling times in the Christian life. There are not always going to be cupcake days within the Christian life. There's going to be some battles that you're facing. There's going to be some things that you have to decide and determine that you're going to do. And one of the greatest things that we find to be true is the hardest decisions for a Christian are not out there. The hardest decisions for a Christian are right here. You see, it becomes much easier to live like a Christian if you live like a Christian ought to in the house of God. When we walk through the doors of the church, many times if we're not careful, we come and we sit in our seats. We listen to the preaching of the Word of God, but we allow the Word of God to not influence us like it ought to. We look at the Word of God and we say, oh man, that's a good thought. What are we going to do with the Word of God? Are we going to apply the Word of God? Are we going to take the Word of God as it deals with us and say, Lord, I want to do something with this? Growing up, I remember I had some coaches. I had some influences in my life. And they would always pass down some advice, whether it was a coach saying, you need to do this. And at the end of those conversations, I remember whenever I would relay the information to my parents. I remember I was playing basketball in my seventh grade year. I did not make the A team, I made the B team. And my coach pulled me to the side, he said, this is why you did not make the A team. I was mad. I thought I was better than some of the guys that were on the A team and and should have been on the the, the A team that year. And I went home and I told my parents everything my coach said. And and, uh, I kept just being frustrated about the things that weren't going my way. And my stepdad, I remember looking at me and said, well, what did the coach tell you you need to work on? I was like, you know, just frustrated. It don't matter, I should be on that A team. What did the coach tell you you need to work on? 
I was unwilling to acknowledge the things that were right before me, the advice that had been given. And sometimes in our lives as Christians, the Word of God is dealing with us, and we're so frustrated about other things that are consuming our minds because we're not renewing our minds for the Lord to say, hey, I want to work in your life. Hey, the Word of God is presently working in your life, and you're oblivious to that. You're not allowing God to deal with you. So notice this statement. Because sometimes if we're not careful, we live in this victim mentality that the Lord is not for us, that the church is not for us, that the world is against us. Let me just break the news to you if you didn't already know this. Those of the world and those who hate God, they are against you, okay? Don't be shocked by those things. But notice what David says in verse number 9. When I cry unto thee, then shall mine enemies turn back. This I know, for God is for me. For God is for me. There are days whenever I'm going to be discouraged and I need to remind myself, hey, I have nothing to be discouraged about, for God is for me. There are going to be times whenever I have to make a hard decision, and it's a hard decision, but it's the right decision. I'm going to question that decision. I'm going to say, do I need to do this? And I'm going to remind myself, for God is for me. He would never lead me this direction and leave me there. He is going to remind me time and time again, child, I am for you. Just keep being faithful. Follow me. David here has been able to see some past victories. Those past victories that he saw were great opportunities for him to see future victories within his life that God was wanting to accomplish. And so David recognizes this one thing, for God is for me. Verse number 10, notice what he says. In God will I praise his word, and the Lord will I praise his word. God, I have, put my tr- or have I put my trust. I will not be afraid what man can do unto me. Thy vows are upon me, O God, I will render praises unto thee. For thou hast delivered my soul from death. Wilt not thou deliver my feet from falling, that I may walk before God in the light of the living? This psalm points out three things about our God that sometimes we begin to neglect or we become oblivious to. Notice with me, number one, he is a merciful God. I don't know about you, but I'm thankful that not only do we get to experience the daily grace within our lives that God offers to us, but he is a very merciful God because there's a lot that we have not gotten in our lives that we should have deserved. And there are things where the Lord says, hey, right this very moment, I'm going to be merciful unto you. And right here in verse 1, he says, be merciful unto me, O God, for man would swallow me up. He fighting daily oppresseth me. Mine enemies would daily swallow me up, for they be many that fight against me, O thou most high. David here is calling out, he is asking the Lord to be merciful unto him. His approach to the Lord is of mercy. He had behaved differently in Gath, if you would. He is recognizing this, and so in recognizing this, he is calling out for the Lord to be merciful unto him because of this. He is recognizing certain things within the Christian life. There are times whenever we will recognize that we have done something, we begin to plead with God to be merciful with dealing with us. Notice what the Word of God says in Luke chapter number 6, verse number 36. Be ye therefore merciful as your Father also is merciful. Just recently, I was asked a question. And one of the the things, there there are times in, in whenever questions are asked where hard questions are asked and they're hard to give an answer to. And then there are sometimes whenever there are hard questions that are asked... But there are easy answers for them because they're, they're plain black and white. The question was recently asked, uh, how many times do I have to keep forgiving this one person? There's an easy answer for me. Well, how many times does the Word of God tell us to? 
how many times? You know, you, you begin to think, and people say, okay, so seven times 70, so I'm going to go ahead and calculate that. That's not the principle there. What's the principle? Yes. How many times should I forgive them? Yes. Okay, okay, so Luke chapter number 6, verse number 36. Be ye therefore merciful as your Father also is merciful. How many times should I give mercy? Yes. You begin to think about how many times you've experienced the mercy of God in your own life. Man, it'll humble you. It'll begin to realize, you'll begin to realize just how wonderful His mercy is. Matthew 5, 7, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Hebrews 4, 16, Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Micah 6, 8, the Bible says, He has showed thee, O man, what is good and what doth the Lord require of thee, but to do justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with thy God. Merciful God. As you come to this portion of Scripture, we're going to notice a couple of things about how wonderful our God is. The first one is that He is a merciful God. Within verses 1 through 4, you begin to see two things. The first thing that you see is the problem with fear in the very first two verses. You see, it is understood that fear will cripple anybody. You begin to think about that. Within your life, whenever you are a child and you're trying to, 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 to start swimming and all of a sudden you're unwilling to jump in that, full why, or that pool, why? Because you're, you're afraid. You begin to think about uh, taking a step of faith and doing certain things. Just this past week in Sunday school, we were looking at the life of Joshua for a few moments. And in Joshua chapter number 3, if you go and you read Joshua chapter number 3, in Joshua chapter number 3, Joshua is sharing the same things that he heard in Joshua chapter number 1, but it wasn't from someone else. It was from God in chapter number 1. The same things that Joshua begins to relay to the people, he has already seen that God has said to him, and as God said it, God was able to prove it, and he was reminding Joshua that he was faithful through it. And so as you begin to see that in his life, you begin to ask yourself some things concerning your life. What is holding you back from being all that God wants you to be? Well, let's start right at the beginning. Oftentimes it's fear. There are many people, a question was recently asked a couple of years ago on a missions conference, and the the missions conference was live streamed, and they were asking Brother Don Sisk a question. How many of you know Brother Don Sisk? Any of you know Brother Don Sisk? The Lord has used him, and the Lord is continuing to use him. He was actually just recently over in Asia and uh, at at a big meeting over there, and and the Lord was using him there to influence, and and, uh, there was a report of, uh, I mean, close to 50 or more people that surrendered right there on the spot for the Lord's work and said, I'll go. And the Lord's using that man. And the Lord has used him. But he was asked this question. He said, why are there, there, there not very many missionaries that are being called to missions anymore? Why is the Lord not calling people to the mission field any longer? And he said, it's not that the Lord is not calling people to the mission field. It's that we're not obeying and going. Well, let, let's, just, let's just drive this home for a few moments and, and, and park right here because one of the things we begin to realize, that is oftentimes because of fear. What would happen if I leave my comfort zone? So what is holding us back? Oftentimes it's fear. And one of the things that we begin to realize is that as we step out of our comfort zone and we begin to say, Lord, I'm giving you this fear, all of a sudden you're no longer depending upon what you can do and what is comfortable to you, but you're saying, Lord, I need you in this moment. Lord, if I'm ever going to get through this, I need you here. And so notice in verse number 1 and 2, he says, Be merciful unto me, O God. He's addressing himself here. 
He's saying, Lord, this is something I need you to address. I did something. Lord, be merciful unto me. But then he transitions. For man would swallow me up. He fighting daily oppresseth me. Mine enemies would daily swallow me. That's a constant thing. They would utterly destroy me. For they be many that fight against me. O thou most high. So he's recognizing his fear because of his enemies. And there are a lot of times you think about this, and many of us have been out soul winning before, and not every single soul winning uh, experience is a pleasant one. Uh, about five years ago, we were in a neighborhood, and as we were knocking that, that neighborhood out and knocking on doors, there was a man who we had stepped on his property, and he walked out, and he was just cursing. I can't remember if he had a gun in his hand or not, but he was not wanting us to be there. I would say that would probably rank up there with some of the most unpleasant opportunities we had. And you begin to think about that. Not everything is an exciting moment. You know, you've got an adrenaline rush, but not a good adrenaline rush, if that makes sense. You know, you've got an adrenaline rush because of fear. And you begin to think about the fear sometimes that cripples us as Christians. We're unwilling to take that next step of faith. You begin to think there's got to be a time within our lives where we say, you know what? Yes. Lord, I I don't know what this looks like. I know you're dealing with me. I I don't know what the future holds. I don't know what you're going to do. I don't know where you're going to take us. But, Lord, I'm going to say yes. I wonder tonight if there's someone here that the Lord has been dealing with and the Lord has been working in your heart and in your life and he's trying to get you to do something, but you've allowed fear to cripple you. You've allowed fear to cripple your life and you're no longer allowing the Lord to have his way in your life because you are so afraid of what God could do. I remember talking to certain uh, individuals, and as I begin to think about uh, young people and, and certain things, one of the things that we find to be true concerning, you can go and you can look at a couple of great resources concerning young people and teens, and there was a study that was put out, I believe it was in, in a book that uh, was entitled Already Gone, and it's a, just a survey book. And they survey thousands upon thousands of people. And one of the things that they found to be true was they asked questions to whether it was young people or young adults is mainly what it is. Because the entire book is about young adults when they get out of the youth department, why are they leaving the church? So they're asking all these survey questions and trying to figure certain things out and trying to, to really get to the part of the matter. And one of the things that they found to be true is that one of the reasons that young people don't follow through whenever they feel as though the Lord is calling them to do something, is because of parents. And oftentimes, this is a true statement, and you know this to be true, because I'm living right this very moment, I don't know what God is going to do with my children. Sometimes that fear can creep in. what What if God calls my little girl to the mission field, and I only get to see her once every five years? What if God calls my son all the way across the country and we don't get to see each other very often and and the cell service isn't great and all of a sudden fear creeps in. I remember my father-in-law preaching many, many times and, and as he was preaching, he would talk about that and he would talk about just wanting his children to do the will of God, whatever it was. Well, reality hits at some point, right? And in many of us in our, in our Christian lives, we will, we will make statements like those right there. And we'll say, I just want my children to live for the Lord. But then when it comes to living for the Lord, and all of a sudden it messes up what our plans we thought were going to take place, all of a sudden we have fear. We, we allow that to creep in, and all of a sudden it cripples many people. I have young people that I grew up with that were supposedly called to preach, and some of them have followed that call. 
Some of them might not have followed that call. And some of them, it was because maybe their parents weren't allowing them to. So you think about not only our fear, we think about right this very moment, some of you have young people, I wonder if the Lord is dealing with your young person, you have fear of what God might do in their life. Can I encourage you, as you give that child back to the Lord, one of the sweetest things you'll ever find to be true is them walking with the Lord on a daily basis and in the center of His will. Where is that? We may never know. But God is desiring that they walk. You say, oh, preacher, you've only got young children. Now you'll understand when he says, well, listen, I don't want to get into my, my days one day and have a young person that, that the Lord is dealing with, and my fear cripples my son, my daughter, from doing the perfect will of God. And I pray that the Lord would give me the grace to endure those moments. I pray that the Lord would give me the mercy within those things as I mess up some things that He would say, hey, I'm trying to deal with your young person. I'm trying to deal with you. I get asked this question all the time. Families will join the church and individuals will join the church and many times the question is asked, how long do you plan on staying? And here's my answer. And some of you have asked this question. I don't know. Because that's not up to me. It's not up to me. Many of you know my heart. You know that my prayer whenever I was in, in Bible college is, Lord, call me to pastor one church and allow me the opportunity to, to pastor that one church and for you to bless that church and for me to be able to see all that you can do. That is my heart, but that might not be God's will for my life. I don't know what that is. And here's one thing that I, I don't want to do. I don't want to be afraid of going and stepping out by faith if God calls me somewhere else or God does something else. He says, hey, I'm leading you elsewhere. You need to go do this. And I'm so afraid. Why? Because it's gotten comfortable here. Getting settled. I don't want to fall into that trap. Fear creeps in in many different forms. Sometimes fear creeps in when it's a bad time. Sometimes fear creeps in when everything is comfortable and good. David here... His fear is in a situation where it is not pleasant. But notice what David does as this fear has crept in. In verses 1 and 2, you see the transition in verse 3 and 4. So in verse 1 and 2, you begin to see the fear and the problem with that fear. But in verse number 3 and 4, you begin to see the promise that he found in this prayer. Notice what he says, What time I am afraid, I will trust in thee. In God I will praise his word. In God I have put my trust. I will not fear what the flesh can do unto me. So he is making a claim. He is making a promise to the Lord. Lord in this moment. Every single one of us have been here before. Let me illustrate it for you for just a moment. As a young person, I remember there were times whenever I knew that I had really messed up. I had really messed up. As a young person, there were times whenever my dad, my stepdad and my mom had certain rules. And if I did wrong, I knew that there was coming a time whenever when stepdad got home that I was going to be called to the room and I was going to be disciplined. I'm laying in my bed, and this is, this is the prayer. Lord, if you make him forget, I promise, I promise I'll read my Bible the rest of my life, every single day of my life. I promise. You know what I'm talking about. You, 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 are, you are hoping right then. And so sometimes in the midst of the, the troubling times, in the midst of the bad times, we become more faithful in our prayer life. Isn't it Interesting. Trials always lead us to the Lord, but whenever we're on the mountaintop, all of a sudden sometimes we say, oh, I don't need to pray, everything's fine. No. You go and you study history, you go and you study the Christian life, you go and you study Christian history, and you'll find some of the greatest falls took place after some of the greatest victories took place. 
You see, in the Christian life, every single one of us, we don't just need God in the bad times. We need God in the good times. At all times of our lives, we need the Lord. And David right here, we see, now this is just a bad time. This bad time is leading him to prayer. This bad time is leading him to claiming sometimes. He says, what time I'm afraid, I will trust in thee. He is making a claim right here. Notice this. This is when he would pray and what he would pray. I will trust in thee. Now, David, we look and we study his life, and you find that many times what David said he is going to do. David, all throughout many of the Psalms that we have read already, he has found himself in trouble. He has found himself praising the Lord. He has found himself being relieved of these things and God working in a mighty way and God getting all the glory. We recognize that. But in David's life right here, his fear has led him to prayer, and he is making this statement. I will trust in thee. God, I will praise his word, and God, I put my trust. As you begin to think about this in the psalmist's prayer, as he ends on this high note, it is a great thing to offer praise within our prayers. One of the sweetest things that you can do as you go to the Lord in prayer and as you spend time is not always seeking things, but just simply saying, Lord, I just want to praise you. I just want to offer praise because you truly are wonderful. We see his mercy. Number two, notice with me if you would, not only he is merciful, but he is mindful. In verse 5 on down, you begin to think about this for just a few moments. There are times whenever within our lives and as, as young people are growing up, sometimes they will think that their parents don't care about certain things. But oftentimes that is completely the opposite. And sometimes within our own lives, I was thinking about this today, Miss Kelly uh, Jack, uh, all of our kiddos have been sick over the last two weeks or so and, you know, battling the illnesses. Well, Charlie has just caught that. And he's just now getting over it and nothing contagious. Just he is, he is you know, getting that, 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 you know, that cough and he's been ill and he's got teeth coming in and he's just not feeling good. Well, he had a terrible night last night. Terrible night. His teeth are coming in. And he's just he's just whining constantly about them, but he don't want nothing. He throws everything you give to him. He's just he's just he's just a bad kid, y'all. He's just a bad kid. And uh, last night was a bad night. He was up through all all throughout the night, and I was sitting on the couch about to leave for the church today. And and Miss Kelly reminded me of this. She said, "I saw the Lord answer the world's smallest prayer last night." And uh, as I was sitting there, I was thinking. I've got to hear what this prayer was now because, I mean, it's the world's smallest prayer, and you're recognizing that God answered this prayer. Well, it was a long night. And uh, she told me the other day that my biggest flaw in life is that whenever I don't get sleep, I'm mean in the middle of the night whenever she asks me to get up and do stuff. Well, who wouldn't be mean in the middle of the night whenever you're asked to do something and you're asleep, you know? Hey, go do, like, no, I want to sleep. She said, you, you just, that's your biggest flaw. I was like, well, I mean, let me sleep then, you know? So it's a long night. We went to bed late. Charlie's up throughout the night. She said, in the middle of the night, I prayed. She had a photo shoot this morning. It was a free one, and she said it wasn't, you know, it wasn't, you know, anything like that. Just offered a free shoot, and she can reschedule that. In the middle of the night, she said, Lord, please cancel this photo shoot. So she got up. I went and took Jackson to school this morning. I come home. She's laying there in bed. I took Charlie with me, and he was in the back seat. I walk in the house, and I grab, she was in the bed. I grabbed her phone. I said, hey, your photo shoot's canceled. Now, I didn't know all this at this time. And so I'm sitting on the couch, and she is sitting there. She says, I, I, the Lord answered last night the world's smallest prayer for me. And she was excited about that. It's a powerful reminder. 
You know why? Because sometimes we think that God only answers the big ones that we're praying. But even the, I mean, she just was praying that prayer because she said, I want a little bit more rest. And God says, okay, I'm going to cancel that for you. You know, within our lives sometimes, we begin to think that, only, that God only operates on what we consider to be important. Right? If that photo shoot wasn't canceled, she'd get up, she'd take those photos, and she'd go on. She wouldn't even thought twice about it. But God reminded her right in that very moment and reminded me by that statement that, hey, offer everything to me. Bring everything to me. Sometimes, if we're not careful, we only bring the things that we think are necessary. But God says, no, I want to remind you that the more you communicate, I want you to be reminded of all of these things. I'll answer the big prayers. I'll answer the small prayers. I'll answer all prayers. Just realize I'll answer them in my way. And I was reminded of that today as I was thinking, man, he's mindful of all of these things. He's not only mindful of the big things that we're going through or the big things that we desire. God is mindful of all of the things within our lives. Child of God, can I share with you tonight, God knows every single thing about you and he cares about every single thing about you. There are times within our lives whenever I think about my kids, my son will come to me and he'll be talking my ear off about something that he loves. I could care less about that one thing. And I'll I'll, I'll listen to him. He'll he'll talk to me and he'll he'll, he'll just sit sit there and talk. And I'm thinking, man, I I, I don't care about this. You know, I'm not going to tell him that, but I don't care about this. The Lord, he just loves to hear from his children. Oh, I, I care about all of it. Just talk my ear off. Hey, talky, talky. I mean, just come on. Just keep talking. The Lord loves to hear from his children. He's mindful of all things. You say, is he mindful of the hard thing I'm going through? Yes, he is. Is he mindful of the, the great victory that is about to take place? He's a mindful of all things within your life. The things that you're going through, the things you're about to go through, the, the many victories you're about to experience, the prayers that you're praying. He's mindful of all of it and he desires for us to bring it. Notice these statements right here. In verse number five, he says, Every day they rest my words, they twist my words. All their thoughts are evil against me for evil. Notice these statements. They gather themselves together. They gather themselves together. This is speaking of them joining together to hurt the psalmist. The statement that is found, they hide themselves. It's speaking of being in private, if you would. We recognize this because Satan operates in the private. Satan's hiding around that, 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 that corner right there just to make you slip, and he, he operates in small little inches. All of a sudden, we see how far we've gone, or we've seen how far the fall has taken place, and we wonder, when did it take place? Well, that's Satan operating in ways. shared this illustration a couple of months ago, but if I were to hold up, have two people hold up a sign tonight, and I were to have you hold up that sign, and font was number 10 on this one, and font was number 11 on this one, and you were in the back of the room, you'd say, oh yeah, they look identical. And as we slowly on this one keep creeping up on each of those fonts, getting larger and larger and larger, and we keep bringing them out. There comes a time whenever you're over here and you're in font 25 and you're in font 10, when all of a sudden you realize, you say, those, those aren't the same size. Well, how did it happen? Just a little bit at a time. Satan operates that way. Satan operates that way within our lives. He's trying to discourage and he's trying to do things. The statement, they wait for my soul. Evil waits for its opportunities to work. We recognize that. The statement, they mark my steps, speaks of them watching with great scrutiny towards the righteous. You say, is God mindful of all that? 100%. 100%. 
As you begin to think about all of the things that you have been through within your life, God is mindful of all of it. And there are some things that we have the question, we want to know why. You, you ever been uh, in a situation maybe growing up and your parents told you no for a specific reason and the reason that they told you no, you later found out because you forced a yes in that no? And all of a sudden, you're, 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 you're talking to your mom or your dad and your parents say, that's why I told you no. I told you no because I knew that was going to happen. And sometimes in the Christian life, God is shutting a door and we're forcing a door wide open. And there's sometimes when God is opening door, we're grabbing hold of both them doors and we're trying to pull it closed. God is saying, no, child of God, I'm mindful of all of it. Don't be afraid of any of these things. In verse number 8 and 9, the Bible says this, Thou tellest my wanderings, put thou my tears into thy bottles. Not only is he mindful of David's trials, he's mindful of David's tears. And in verse number 10 and 11, we see that he's mindful of David's trust. In verse number 10, he says, In God will I praise his word, and the Lord will I praise his word. In God have I put my trust. So we see that our Savior tonight, all the emphasis here, He is merciful, he is, he is mindful, and number three, and we'll close with this, verse number 12. Thy vows are upon me, O God, I will render praises unto Thee. For Thou hast delivered my soul from death, wilt thou not Thou deliver my feet from falling, that I may walk before God in the light of the living. He is mighty. Tonight, He is a mighty God. He is a merciful God. He is a mindful God. He cares about every single one of us. He's willing that we would recognize that. He is merciful to every single one of us, and He is trying to show forth His power in every single one of our lives. If we were to get a a group of us tonight, and we were to sit ten people in a round circle, and we were to say, hey, each of us, let's go ahead around this little circle, and each of us share when we saw the power of God within our lives. Can I share with you, in each of those testimonies, you'd see how each of us got to see the power of God in a different way. You know why? Because God is not a, a God that is boxed into only showing His power in certain ways. Our God operates the way He desires to operate. His ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. His power, you can't comprehend how mighty He truly is. The statement that I may walk before God in the light of the living is speaking of the testimony of the psalmist here. He is saying all of these things that I do in the light of the living, His testimony will be seen in His walk. One preacher put it this way. He was happy in his soul and he was helped in his steps because of his Savior. Can I encourage you tonight? I don't know where you are. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what you've been through. I don't know what you're facing. But oftentimes within our lives, we go through seasons where we begin to think that not only does the child of God and the Christians that we're around not care about us, but we allow those thoughts to creep in our mind that God is more concerned about other Christians than He is me right now. Can I share with you, God is for you. He is merciful to you. He is mindful of you, and He desires to show how powerful He is to you. Tonight, as you begin to think about Psalm 56, David is recognizing as he is calling out for God to be merciful. In the midst of him calling out for God to be merciful, he recognizes, Lord, as I am afraid in my time of fear, I will praise you, I will trust you. All of a sudden, you begin to see a shift in everything. David is recognizing all of the things that he was afraid of and all the things that he was battling, but he again reminds himself, God is for me. You begin to think about a child. That child comes to you and that child begins to think that you are going to disown them. So, oh no, child, I could never disown. I love you too much. Our Heavenly Father loves His children. 
He's merciful to us. He's mindful of us. And He's mighty. And I encourage you tonight, lift His name up and praise Him tonight with me. Lord, we do thank You. We thank You for Your grace and mercy. We thank You that we have a God who is merciful to us. Lord, so many things that You have shown Your mercy to each and every single one of us in our lives personally. We thank you for being mindful of us, caring for us. Lord, tonight we thank you for showing how mighty you are within our lives. I pray that you'd help us to recognize it tonight, and we'll thank you for it. For it's in Jesus' name we do pray. Amen.